0: i uh-huh. uh-huh.
1: franchise the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. And it's a bonus feature. Today, we return to the symmetrical world of Wes Anderson with his latest film about stargazing, the mysteries of life, and the nature of art itself. It's 2023's Asteroid City.
2: No guest this
1: week. No guest.
2: As per Um, usual,
1: with bonus features.
2: For sure, that's true. Um, so when the last we left Wes, it was, um, well, the French, di- the French dispatch came out in October, but I think our episode came out like at Christmas, right? Christmas Eve or Christmas. Day. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it wasn't actually a bonus feature. It was just like the last episode a- as we do sometimes with, with our yeah. mini series, we time them to a new release and, uh, the last episode functions as a bonus feature, but, but also functions as a regular episode. So.
2: Yeah. Um, that's really the, fun the how that worked mini
1: series, yeah, um, so this is our first like official bonus feature for wes anderson um he is he has another film coming out this year, but as we recently learned uh it's only thirty seven minutes long, and so we won't be covering it as a bonus feature um it's his raw doll film that he's making for Netflix uh that's I guess coming out in like december or something like that yeah um and uh yeah the
2: reason it's coming out on netflix is because they now own roll dolls like the rights to roll dolls works right right and so he was like well this is the only way it could come out now and i think it's a useful way to like make make use of that gets the format of netflix is like where else could a 37 minute short live right right absolutely um, so yeah, I'm excited to watch it,
1: but we're not going to cover it on the show because, well, it's only 37 minutes. Like what? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to make a 20 minute episode about a 37 and I don't want to make an hour episode about a 37
2: minute thing. So, you know, I, uh, uh, I, I fell down a rabbit hole the other day on Letterboxd yeah. of, uh, he has actually directed quite a few shorts. Yeah. Um, most of them for like Chanel. Sure. Yeah. You know, uh like there's one about uh Jer- Jason Schwartzman playing like a a Grand Prix driver. Oh, I think I remember that. Yeah. Um I think I'm, I I kind of want to like track these down. There's like a Christmas one.
1: Yeah, I remember the Christmas one. I haven't I seen remember the Christmas that. One.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's, it's he's... on a
1: train if I remember correctly. Um Makes sense. Yeah, it's a Christmas one, but it, but it's not the Polar Express. Don't get don't get it twisted. it's not that train.
2: I mean it's another would...
1: Christmas train.
2: <laughs> I wish he had directed the Polar Express.
1: Oh my God, I mean he could still direct like a live action polar Express, and uh, it would probably be phenomenal, honestly, yeah,
2: yeah, I'm disappointed in us for allowing that to become a holiday classic, the polar Express, yeah, yeah. As, as someone who was alive when it first came out and was like, this is this is kind of shit, isn't it? And then um, Watching yeah. it slowly become part of the, the 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 canon. I was like, hey, wait, no, no, it's not fun, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, the thing that's that, that's interesting, too, is uh, about the Polar Express is like you always forget about the large chunk of that movie that takes place at the North Pole.
2: Right, yeah, like the, the 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 sliding and the yeah, he's he can't find the ticket, um, yeah. The part where there's like the real life kids, yeah. Like the video, the video monitors of the real kids,
1: yeah, yeah. God, you know what would be great is if Wes Anderson did The Polar Express, but mm. again as like a like a like a forty minute like Christmas special, yeah. Do the whole thing in 40 minutes in live action in a Wes Anderson style. That would be something I would watch every single year for Christmas.
2: Oh, my God. Absolutely. Because, like, that's another criticism is like that, that. I mean, like, Bobby Z just, like, stuffs. He, he stretches everything out into, like, a, a, a set piece. Right. Of, like, look, look what we can do. Look, we can move the camera and go up and down. And now it's an eagle. And now it's going down a mountain. <laughs> I can do
1: anything. I can do fucking anything. <laughs> and I'm home for dinner every
2: night. <laughs> this is where I live now. Um You can even bring Tom Hanks back because now he's in the he's in the company. Oh, that's true.
1: That's very true. Uh uh Alright. So Asteroid City is here. Um I saw it last week. You just came back from seeing it. Um yes. or not last week. It was like it was like early Well, I guess it was
2: technically last week, but yeah, it was like Tuesday I think I saw it mm-hmm. um, and I saw it like uh I think I got home about half an hour ago from from Washington. yeah yeah
1: yeah um so uh I'm curious if you had ha- if you had heard by the time you saw it uh-huh. had you already heard that like asteroid city was about a TV show shooting a play
2: I had heard I had heard um what's the what's the phrase the artifice, the framing device—that's the framing that's device. Is, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. I had heard that, but it was like it when it like went in between my ears. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. I was like, well, there's always a framing device with his movies. Yeah. And so when I think I had read a review or something that it was like a TV program about a play. Um. Yeah, but that was kind of all that I had really heard. I, I had been kind of staying away from. Reviews or takes yeah. about this one, other than you know when, when it when it first screened at Con, there there were a few like it's his best work yet, or it's sure. it's a cosmic story about grief, and I was like rad, <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: um, yeah, <clears throat> I think that this I I think that um while Asteroid City probably isn't my, I mean it definitely isn't my favorite Wes Anderson. Um I do think that it's the one that I've I've been I I I'm wondering if it's the one that has the most depth. Um because like there's so much to dig into in this movie and talk about um in terms of like yeah the storytelling uh on display here. Um cuz you know One of the things, I mean, you know, we've seen it recently with all the stupid, like, succession, but uh, it's Wes Anderson or Star Wars, but it's Wes Anderson or Lord of the Rings, but it's Wes Anderson and it's AI Mm. and it all looks the same and it's ugly and stupid, but people are like, oh, look, it's Wes Anderson. And it's Uh like, there's a whole thing with Wes Anderson, which is that, like, a certain type of person who watches a certain type of movie sees Wes Anderson and is just like yeah no I don't know the, all of his movies just look like that and they're not about anything and they're, they're like it they're all a bunch of Nileses and Frasers and <laughs> and they and they're all shot like that and whatever and that's that's what his hmm. thing is it's uh, all but monotone. they're not a, yeah Dead they're not man. about anything they're just it's all style no substance whatever um, and I don't agree with that. I mean, I, we did a whole, we devoted a whole miniseries to him, and I think that there's a lot going on under the hood of his movies. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't think that there's ever been a movie, one of his films, that has more going on under the hood than this one. Um, it feels like he had like, like a like I don't want to say a bone to pick, but it was like it really felt like he was like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna, I'm, 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 I'm really gonna go hard on like cinema film like cinema and cine- cinematic storytelling with this one um yeah
2: i don't know what do you think you know it's it's interesting because when i think <clears throat> of depth in yeah. relation to wes anderson um i think of you know the grand budapest hotel mm-hmm. is such a complex like clockwork dollhouse of about like the rise of fascism and like the urgent need of civility in society. And, you know, we had a ball talking about that movie Um, and I haven't watched any, any Wes Anderson since recording that podcast. Um, But what's meg miraculous about asteroid city is I think you're right. I do think this is, has, it, it has even more depth than grand Budapest hotel, but at the same time is at times jarringly simple mhm i mean the the desert uh setting of this movie the sparse desert setting is very apt um f- i i for like the first in retrospect almost not even more than half of the movie when i was watching it a few hours ago i was thinking as as much fun as i was having like watching the new wes anderson movie yeah. I was like, I-, I don't know what I'm gonna have to say about this one with Scott later. Mm. Like, why? What is this? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this about? Why am I watching this? What is? I can't wait to fi- find out why, What the purpose of the framing device is, mm-hmm. um, and then we can get to it when we go to our, our walk. Are we gonna do a walkthrough for this one? I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll we'll, um, we'll see what the mood is. It's,
1: it's got to uh, be a hard one to do a walkthrough of because it's, I mean, it's
2: very pointedly not about the story, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, so there's this moment to get into spoilers, I guess. There is a yeah. moment where Jason Schwartzman, the actor mm-hmm. that Jason Schwartzman is playing. In the play Asteroid in the, City. In the play Asteroid City. Yeah. Uh, is like, What? wait, wait a second. What am I doing? And he leaves the play. He goes backstage and he addresses Adrian Brody, the director. Mm -hmm. And he says, am I doing it right? And like a safe unlocking in my soul, (laughs) I just start crying because um i it, it all then it it hit me it all it all just like oh my god that's what this is yeah it it's just a it it's it's a movie about like are we am i doing it right or i don't yeah. i don't know what i should be doing right now and Adrian brody's like it doesn't matter just just yeah. just keep telling the story it'll just and i'm like oh my god and i think that's what it, it, it's it's some ways like it's it's like the as existential that's where the as existentialism comes in is i think this movie is just about the lunacy of life
0: mm-hmm.
2: right now in 2023 but also in the 20th century in the 1950s of like how the fuck are we supposed to just do our lives and be alive when this crazy stuff keeps happening to us you know yeah yeah
1: yeah no absolutely it, it is it is about that. And then the other part of it that I noticed was that it's about what those things happening to us are, which are unanswered questions. And mm-hmm. you have three generations of characters in this movie. You have the adult characters. You have the Stargazers Club. And then you have right. like the elementary school kids, right? Right. And yeah. throughout the movie... They're each asking questions and the elementary school kids are asking like very like kind of basic, like fun questions like about the alien. Right. They'll be like, you know, what what kind of food do you think he likes? Do you think he likes music? Like just like really like simple child like questions of just Hmm. like wonder. Right. And then you have the stargazer kids who have questions like that and about like basic things, but they're also like starting to question The world around them and their parents and what 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 life has meant to them up to this point as children, because they're on the cusp of becoming adults. And so the questions that in their minds are all changing and shifting and they're they're not just concerned with like the stargazers club. They're not just concerned with stargazing anymore. They want depth. They want to know more And they're not getting the answers and it's frustrating them. And then you go to the adults and they're asking the same questions that the stargazer kids are asking, but they're also coming at them from a perspective of like, well, I guess we're never going to know the answer because, you know, we're all adults and we've just accepted the fact that like, yeah, sometimes you just don't know. And it sucks.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like there's this, there's this amazing scene where um, uh, Brainiac Woodrow yeah. Is you know, it's a tracking shot where he he he's flanked by his grandfather played by Tom Hanks and his father played by Jason Schwartzman. And he's like in like, yeah, in in very adolescent teenage mode of like, like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> Is is there a point to all this? Like, where did it come from? Like, why are we here? Why is it here? Does the asteroid belong to us? Did it belong to them? And Tom Hanks and Jason Schwartzman are just feet firmly planted on the ground. And they're just worried about like what they're going to do next in their lives. Right. And he's like, what the fuck? What's wrong with you guys? Don't, don't you see this doesn't matter anymore? And they're like, <laughs> no, we're old enough to know that this is the only thing that matters. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All this shit. Oh, my God. The part where we're the jump all around when when he when he Jason Schwartzman shows Scarlett Johansson, she's she's like, hey, uh, how, how did the photo turn out? And He shows her the picture of the alien. She's like, no, the other one. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's really <laughs> good. <laughs> Yes, um, and then on mm-hmm. top of the life stuff, yeah, um, that that you talked about, and the questions and stuff that I talked about, those are those are all your thing. Uh, crosses the threshold of both things, right? Uh-huh. Um, uh, of of both framing devices, the the play and the the outside, the the meta text of outside yeah. the play, asteroid city, um, right? But uh. Uh the questions thing is kind of just in the play. So like it is like what the playwright played by Edward Norton or or played by an actor who's playing the playwright. I couldn't quite figure that out. He, Me neither. Yeah, yeah. Um so so uh uh so the the playwright, you know, whoever wrote Asteroid City, that's kind of the questions that they were dealing with mm-hmm. um when they when they wrote it, and that's what the play is about. But then there's this other aspect of this, which is about the nature of art. And there's that moment where uh, you know, uh Jason Schwartzman's actor character is trying to get the role that he's going to play in Asteroid City. Yeah. And he's like, No, I really think I got this guy nailed. Like I I like let me show you. And he he like puts on a fake beard and 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 puts a little like fluff in his belly and comes back in as the guy um and starts talking about you know, saying lines from the movie or from the play as the guy. And he's like, I do have one question, though, that I don't understand. It's like, why does he burn himself on the electric griddle? And Edward Norton's like, I don't know. Like, he surprised me when he, when, when he did it when I was writing it. I, I was as surprised as you were reading it. And he was like, but what does it mean? And he's like, I don't know. Um, it's just what happened next. And the way that that connects to what you were talking about, about life, And about how just things just happen and you can't derive meaning from those things. They just happen and you just have to keep moving. You have to keep telling the story. And the idea of like talking about that in terms of art where it's just like, I don't know why there's a roadrunner in this. Because as the director of the movie, I felt like there should be. Like, that's it. That's Why is there there a highway that stops being built? Halfway through. I don't know, because that's what I wanted. That's what yeah. was in my mind when I was writing it. And so it's just, that that's what it is. And what Wes Anderson is so, the sort of like epitome of that kind of director. Of like, I don't know why that's there. It's just what I felt. And that's what makes this a Wes Anderson movie.
0: Yeah.
2: No, 100%. Ah! ah like, it's so ah, yeah, like, Yeah. And is it is, a, without even, I, I like to think he doesn't even... He isn't even aware of any of the bullshit of like we made Star Wars a Wes Anderson using you know fucking hope not
1: yeah really hope not
2: (laughs) but like whether accidental or not this movie is such a rebuke of that very that very cause that very venture because Wes Anderson is a human with he's an artist with a soul and he works off of what delights him and what makes him curious and so there is a little roadrunner little stop motion roadrunner he's um, a puppet a little puppet little 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 oh my god the most delighted i've been in a movie all year was when i <laughs> started noticing that he was doing a little dance to <laughs> the freight train song at the end credits oh and- yeah and it's like why is it there? I don't know. It just it is. And like that, like a, a a computer couldn't do that. Like cuz that's that that doesn't click with the very like the bad faith surface level. Oh, these are just like stuffy monotone quirky indie kid movies. Right. Um and it's like again we spent hours and hours during our Wes Anderson series talking about the like achingly earnest messages in all of his films yeah and how he's just like a guy trying to like asking these questions and telling these stories you know
1: yeah yeah but it's this thing that where it he has become so um untethered from reality in terms of like his style right Mm -hmm. Where like you compare like this movie to Bottle Rocket, and it and both sure. both two movies that take place on the desert, per, you know, for the, for the right. majority of the movie, yeah, but like completely different in every discernible way. Like at a point where you're almost like, is this the same guy? Mm-hmm. And it's because he has just completely doubled down on his gut feelings over the course of his career to a point where he made a movie that's just about gut feelings and about how that is the purity of art following yeah. your gut feeling is the purity that is that is pure art creativity that's what that is um and and it's something that like nobody really gets to do anymore
2: um but he does and man that's something to be celebrated absolutely i mean i i remember thinking that even before going in to see it. Just, you know, knowing that I was going to see Asteroid City today or this weekend, I just remember thinking like, God, we're we're just so lucky. I'm just so happy that we all get to be alive during this time where we're just watching this, this weird little dude just making his movies every couple years and we love them and they keep coming out and they keep breaking all these fun little records of like limited release screen averages or whatever, because we've built up such a love and dependability on this guy. Yeah. And he yeah. hasn't cracked yet. And he's still just doing his thing. Yeah. Like, like and a little it, puppet Roadrunner.
1: but it, yeah. And it's, it's so specific, both, both visually and like audibly, you know, um, like you, you can, you know what it, what what a Wes Anderson movie sounds like as much as you know Mm -hmm. what it looks like. Um, and, And so it's just so comforting. To be Mm. watching a Wes Anderson movie, a new Wes Anderson movie, because it feels like you're seeing your friends again, even though you're not like they're all playing different characters. Sometimes there's (laughs) new actors. Sometimes, you know, the company doesn't like certain members of the company don't come back. Certain members of the company haven't been back in 10 plus years, you know. Right. But it's there's just something about his films where you know what you're going to get to a certain extent. But you're gonna get a brand new thing every time. But it's comforting to know that, like, I know what vibe I'm walking into at the very least.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It, it, even though he's ne- he's yet to, he finds a way to come up with a new, like, when when the camera was panning around Asteroid City and the trailer park and the, yeah. the diner and the gas station. I'm like, God, he keeps finding these little pockets of Americana, or not, not even Americana, just society. Because French Dispatch did the same thing, of yeah. like. New little worlds, new little dioramas that mm-hmm. whether it's this, a submarine or a ship or the Grand Budapest Hotel mm-hmm. or, you know, Asteroid City. Um, that moment of comfort that you're describing, Scott, came to me when the UFO arrived. Oh, yes. <laughs> and the little, little, little stepladder was coming down and, and the little alien dude, because that it felt so fantastic, Mr. Fox.
1: Yes, a hundred percent. An Isle of Dogs. It was because it was stop motion, mm-hmm. but it was, and yeah. I love the reveal that that was Jeff Goldblum was playing yeah. the alien. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm I, not
2: I, playing him as an alien. See,
1: I'm not. <laughs>
2: oh man, great! Such beautiful design. Love his. I love his big old eyes and how yeah. he posed with the asteroid for the in the yeah. first photograph. Um. <laughs> There's this, uh, there's this moment that Montana, the cowboy, has mm-hmm. where he interrupts Maya Hawk's class. And he's like, well, I think, you know, whatever this, I, you know, I, I just thought a couple hours ago. But his whole little monologue about, well, you know, I think we should just treat this fella like he's a friend. And if he ain't a friend, then we'll leave it up to the military. But until then, and I'm like, that is the most fucking Wes Anderson way to deal with a, a, an alien from another world.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh
2: man, yeah. Um, uh, this
1: one, like this, felt like um, like a culmination of this era of Wes Anderson, um, the era sure. that started with Moonrise Kingdom. Um, mm-hmm. this feels like a culmination of that era, uh, because it's, um, it's sort of a. Uh, you know it's sort of like a maximal version of like the um uh yeah the uh uh framing device like, concept that he's sure. that he's been doing um you know with with In Moonrise Kingdom you had um uh Bob uh, what's his Bob name Baladon. Bob Alton uh, Yeah. Bob Ollivan. Yeah. Um, uh, You know, doing his uh, his like nature show or whatever it was that he was doing. And then you Mm -hmm. have, you know, obviously uh, Grand Budapest doing it's like three or four layer um, cake uh, patisserie. Um, French Dispatch. And then you, of course, French Dispatch with the different. Uh yeah, the different uh, articles. Like, um, and then here with the play, which also it feels like a, like a return to like Rushmore. And sure, like I think it's so poignant that Jason Schwartzman plays the the actor that breaks out and and asks the director, like, "Am I doing this right? Like, am I am I doing okay? Is this?" Is
2: this what I'm supposed to be I doing? I don't you know? get it still. I just drive. Yeah. I don't. Why am I? Why does he put his hand on the griddle? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. For that to be arguably one of his main muses, I think, you know, probably just him and Owen Wilson. Yeah. Or like, yeah, no, I mean, he uh, fucking incredible work by him in this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. um, Really, like, maybe, like, maybe the work of his
2: career. Um Yeah. And yet he never has that big moment, that big actor moment. Right. For you know, this is a movie about a guy struggling with whether or not he's grieving his wife correctly, or even if he wants to grieve his wife. Right. Or and we never get that big emotional moment that sometimes we do get in like Darjeeling Limited or Royal Tannenbaums. Um but like yeah, but and to the point where yeah, but 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 so, and you know that ending with him and Tom Hanks and and the the, the triplets, you know, mm-hmm. it still feels so lovely. Even though he he arguably never lets his guard down, but he he still goes through such this transformative, pro the character and the actor. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, he does
1: have that moment with uh Margot Robbie playing the actress that played his deceased right. wife. Um, in, a, in a cut where, scene. Where, yeah, the cut scene where they're, they he goes out to smoke and on the the fire escape um of the of the theater where asteroid they're playing Asteroid City um or putting up Asteroid City. Mm-hmm. Uh uh right next door at the theater next door on the other fire escape is Margot Robbie who's playing the actress who played her uh played his his wife in in the cut scene that like was a dream sequence that took place on like the moon of the of the planet that the alien was from mm-hmm. um and they sort of like act out the scene together cuz she still remembers the lines and it's like uh it's a it's a really great scene um it's a really yeah. great scene about like I don't know just yeah about like about a grief, but also like about, you know, again, like like artists just sort of examining what art is and why
2: they yeah. love it. Because in that moment, because it's such a fun little way of like having your cake and eating it too. Because it's a it's a lovely scene, but there. But then at the end, you know, Jason Schwartzman's like, oh, why did we cut that?" And she's like, "Timing, you know, pacing issues." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. But. But we still get the the meat, the nectar of the scene, which is mm-hmm. like we, we're hearing it described to us by the actors. Mm-hmm. And Margot Robbie is so good in that moment and Jason Schwartzman that we get the sense that even though the scene was cut, they still were emotionally affected by the words and achieve some kind of catharsis through it. And the fact that she remembers it still by heart, even though she's doing another play as we speak. Right you know she carried it with her and it mattered to her and again like you said scott it just speaks to the vitality of art yeah and acting and being an actor and and which is you know so many movies and so many stories are about how it's all bullshit and actors are all selfish and vain it doesn't mean anything and they're all going to get replaced by ai anyway so fuck it but this is just another story about like the ra- the rallying cry of artists Being like, no, we still, this matters. This means something, you know, which is so much of what Friends Dispatch was about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, 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 it is about that. And then there's also like going back to like, you know, um, the true, you know, that true art is like following your gut and just kind of vibing. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's how you get like, you know, true, uh, you know, artistic, whatever. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's so interesting that they have this, he is so baffled by this scene where his character touches the hot electric griddle on purpose. Um, And he's like, I don't know why he would do that. And like the, the, the director played by Adrian Brody even goes through a couple of options. He's like, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, maybe Mm -hmm. it's this. I don't know. What does it matter? Like, just follow the story. Um, And You have these two actors portraying the scene, and then, like you said, he's like, "Man, that was a great scene. Why, why, you know, why did we cut it?" And she was like, "Ah, pacing issues." And it's just like, yeah, like art does come from your gut, and this scene came from his gut, but because of pacing issues, it didn't belong in Asteroid City proper. So instead, he's like, but I can't not have it, so I'm going to move it to this other section in this meta-textual section where it, it belongs more and needs more to Jason Schwartzman's character in the moment because it triggers something inside him and makes him realize, like, oh... It doesn't matter if I feel anything, if I understand why I'm touching the electric griddle, what matters is that somebody watching this piece of art will get something out of that, the way that I got something out of this scene that we cut. So I'm going to go back in there. Um, That's so good. Like, I love that.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. 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 It's, uh... Gosh, yeah. I I I love that, like, uh... That 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 made me think of that little moment, uh, where Scarlett Johansson is in line with Hope Davis, mm-hmm. and and she's like, "Oh, I love that one performance you did." She's like, "Oh, thank you." Like, I, I don't know why everyone else hated it. She's like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah."
1: I <laughs> uh, I also love that I also love that uh, that that um, uh, Brian Cranston just like steps into that okay. scene for a moment and then is like, huh? "Oh, am I early?" Oh, am I not
2: not in this? Oh, (laughs) oh, yeah, am I not in this? (laughs) And again, going back to, like, why was that there? I don't know. It just, it was funny. It just seemed like a fun moment. It kind of reminded you that, like, this isn't a perfect thing. Right. These people can make mistakes. And well, in
1: the imperfections is the, the that's what and that and that's the thing it's almost like it is it is a rebuke to like the a i thing that like a i can do it, whatever, but it's also a rebuke to everyone talking about his movies like like you just did at the beginning where it's like it's a Swiss watch, and he's like mm-hmm. saying, no, it's not it's not it's just my art like I just like, vibe, and i I do things because I feel like, yeah, this is what I want to have happen right now, and it it appears like a swish watch because I think that he is interested in the visuals of like symmetry and 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 clockwork and you know like that kind of mm-hmm. storytelling, but like at the end
2: of the day, all this shit is in here just because he wants it to be <laughs> sure you know? yeah, and, but, yeah, and like I guess like with grand Budapest, that could be so it could be so. Convoluted and difficult to follow. Mm-hmm. Like, but when you watch it, it's just like butter. You yeah. know? Yeah. And and this movie as well. Like, if for some reason you're listening to this without having seen Asteroid City, there's a good chance that you're like confused when we say stuff like the the actor that Jason Schwartzman is playing, but not the guy. But you don't even it doesn't even register to you as something difficult when you're watching the yeah. movie. Yeah, absolutely. Because there is there is a scene
1: in this movie. Where the actress Scarlett Johansson is playing an actress playing an actress playing a scene, right? Yeah, to Jason Schwartzman, who is playing a a photographer playing or is 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 a, a a an actor playing a photographer watching her scene. Like it's there's so many things going there. And it's also crazy, because like I thought the performances were unbelievable at certain moments because yeah. you could see every aspect of like in that scene where she's playing the scene for him in in the, movie in the bathtub go to, and yeah in the bathtub, yeah um or 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 even like uh uh yeah, there's another part where she has like the script in her hand or whatever, but right, um right, yeah, yeah, either way, every time she does that, you can feel the actress. Playing the scene, but you can also feel the actress playing the actress, playing the scene, you know, like you could feel like every aspect of it happening, which yeah. I was, I'm just like, I don't even know how this is possible. Like, I don't think like, there's so <laughs> many layers here.
2: It's insane. <laughs> well, cause like, I mean, a, you know, it's, I mean, there's so many great performances in this, but I think Scarlett Johansson in this was yeah. such a revelation and yeah. like. Because her character, Midge, is so specific and so peculiar. And then when Midge is doing... She's almost doing kind of like a New Yorker kind of accent. Mm-hmm. When she's acting, when she's doing the scene. And it's so subtle, but I was like, oh yeah, oh okay, that's her acting. This is her playing a character. This is Midge. Scarlett Johansson playing Midge, playing a character. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, Scarlett Johansson playing a, an actor that we don't really get to meet, playing Midge, playing a character.
1: Yeah, we get to meet her in the in the scene where they're like all in the like the workshop room yeah um we
2: get to meet her a few times in there but that's about it Um, that's another scene where like you know you think about barry or other stuff where like an actor workshop is like you know a bunch of pathetic artists went wanking themselves off and and this it's like the most earnest like they're all dialed in they're all really trying they're all like pretending <laughs> they're pretending to be asleep and one dude starts sleepwalking yes <laughs> yeah uh
1: uh what's his name um uh Fisher stevens? stevens
2: yeah he was he was great he was really great in this
1: yeah and like i'm watching succession right now which oh, also yeah. features fisher stevens so I'm like man i got a lot of fisher stevens happening right now you yeah. um, go yeah but uh uh I I really love those scenes, and I I love the the bit where um toward the end of the movie they all start sort of like chanting, mm-hmm. uh this thing where it's like you can't be you know, a what, what is it you, you, you can't,
2: can't you can't you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep yeah you can't
1: wake up and le- until yeah um and I was like thinking about like what is the meaning of that right and. The movie is, like, obviously telling me, like, well, don't worry about the meaning of it. It's just, you know, it is what it is. Or, you know, if you want to derive meaning from it, you can, or whatever. But when I'm, like, thinking about the context of the, the entirety of the movie, um, you know, it says you, you, you can't be awake unless you fall... What is it again? Say it again. you You can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. You can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. Yeah. So... My thought on that is like it's trying to say something about creativity, I think, mm-hmm. and I think what it's trying to say is like again, going back to like that gut thing, I think it's saying like like you can't you you can't make art unless you dream, you know yeah like absolutely, like it's saying like you gotta allow yourself to dream, you have to take the time to dream and just let that. Shit flow, like just let all that creativity just flow and go, and then you can do things like make the decision to cut a scene right mm-hmm. um but like yeah you can't you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep um and there's something like really beautiful about that and but it's in it's done in such an aggressive like almost like the ending of of rosemary's baby kind of way. right
2: like very like stylized like yeah 60s cinema like truffaut like dramatic you know they stand up and the camera zooms in like kind of yeah. sideways on them you know and it's very yeah. artsy very you know beatnik almost you know yeah 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 um
1: but i but, I do think that like you know the nature of what it's saying is 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 really interesting, especially you know for me, I mean, you know the kind of writer that I am, you're much mm-hmm. more of like a vibe writer, um whereas <laughs> like I am much more of like, well, no, we gotta like lay the groundwork and we gotta do that. and so like to have this movie just be like, hey, it, like it's okay just to like vibe for a while if you just want to like vibe um yeah like, that that that's that's cool too, and like i i I don't know there was something i i, I really I felt very comforted by what the message of this movie was to me, I guess.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. I I, th- I think I took, it made me almost think of like, uh you know, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep is like, and also going back to like the, the emotional reaction I got to Jason Schwartzman being like, am I doing it right? Or I don't get it is I feel like in life, sometimes mm-hmm. I, even when I'm like in the, in the midst of my, the the apex of my drug use, you know, mm-hmm. when I was like getting high all the time, or like I I just have this like unwillingness to like r- let go of myself, mm-hmm. of like you know I, I I've I've always uh you know how people say like when they get drunk and they don't remember what they said yeah yeah I have never been able to do that right. I have always been able to remember every awkward thing that I did the night before or thing that I said or thing that happened because there's like a part of me that won't let go and just let myself float. Yeah. same. And and so when I heard like, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep, if it's like you have to, to to drift off into sleep is to kind of let yourself go Mm -hmm. and lose consciousness and drift Mm -hmm. and, so it's like in order to wake up, you first have to fall asleep. In order to find yourself, you have to let go first. Uh-huh. And yeah. like and I was all, I was very comforted by that as well. Of like, yeah, you have to you have to let go first, you know? Yeah. Don't be afraid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Man. Um anyway, this movie rules. Uh yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. Um uh uh little things i i I loved the new additions to the company. I thought Maya Hawk was terrific, yep Tom Hanks was great oh um Steve Carell was great <laughs> yeah he's like selling chunks of the city the yeah. the b m uh, the the machine that sells like soda cigarettes, and then real estate. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, and then the cocktail machine that like the co- creates yeah. a little cocktail and then they're all just drinking <laughs> the cocktails, and 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 that's another thing where it's just like, why are these vending machines th- a thing? Why is he selling land? I don't know. It's funny. Like it's yeah. fun.
2: Yeah. Like it just
1: it just is. That's that's how I pictured Asteroid City. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, man, the little moment where the adults are like these are great, great job. am like, oh, the machine does all the work. It's <laughs> yeah, I just maintain it. I just maintain it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, Did you know that the 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 kid who plays Jason Sportsman's son, um, do you know that that's the kid who is a a sauce aficionado in eighth grade?
2: Whoa, that's that's amazing. Yeah, that's that's that kid. Wow. Does a Rick and Morty impression? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Somewhat of a sauce aficionado. (laughs) I thought he was the kid from Umbrella Academy. Oh
1: no. No. Number 5. No. Yeah. No, I think that kid's too old
2: at this point. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, similar similar vibes yeah. though. Similar vibes um, for sure. But yeah. Uh, Sophia Lillis was great mm-hmm. from Dungeons and Dragons and it. Oh yeah. No, she w- she's uh she's going to be a movie star, I think.
1: Um, oh for sure. She's like killing it lately. Uh yeah. she's got a good agent
2: or manager or something cuz they're like putting her in good shit. Right. Yeah. That's so, it's so tricky when you're that age and you're an actor. Cause it's like, yeah. you kind of like, Oh, well you should be like the next Jenna Ortega or you should be the next like Olivia Rodrigo. Right. Like, can you sing? Can you, but to be like, no, you're only gonna, you know, we're just going to have you in these like little projects and maybe you go a couple of years without being in anything, but it's okay. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're going to have this role. That's not going to be super big, but you're going to work with Wes Anderson and you're going to be part of the ensemble. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Scarlett daughter Edwards.
1: was great. Yeah, Grace Edwards was really good. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's cool. A, I, I think yeah, Di- that's Dinah, right? Dinah.
2: Yeah. I, I don't think yeah. I'd ever seen her in anything before. No,
1: I don't think so. But she's uh, she felt like tailor made for a Wes Anderson company. Yeah. Um, she felt she reminded me a
2: lot of the the actress from um, uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Kingdom? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to, yeah, because yeah. where it's like, I don't know if I've ever, I couldn't tell you if I've seen that actor again. Right. But because I just picture that person, that character in that world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when DeBujo burns their initials on the moon and the yes. camera pans down and they're making out. Yes. <laughs> oh, I mean, the I think every Wes Anderson movie has one like explosion of chaos, you know? Mm hmm. And when would Jeffrey Wright resends the quarantine release. Yes. And then what you just start zapping with the Ray. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh man. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because like I also wonder like it feels so obvious that this is a COVID movie. Like that this is a movie about COVID. For sure. And and yeah. you know, about quarantine. Um but uh, but, but I, there, there's like another part of me that's just like, but like, did he do it on purpose? Like, or is that just like what his gut had him do and he didn't realize why, you know? Sure. Yeah. Like, um, oh,
2: oh, are people going to think this is a COVID movie? Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. Cause it, it kind of is in like a really unforced way. Cause it is about the effects of a prolonged quarantine having on like families and adults and kids and how it causes us to ask all these as existential questions about what am I doing? What are my values? Um <laughs> the fuck I, just, I just thought of the part where Lev Schreiber has that son that just keeps doing stuff on Dares. And he's like, oh why? Yeah. <laughs> What's the yes. point? Why are you <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, and Lipshaver shows. He's like, dare me to push the button. He's like, "If you push that button, I will wring your neck." And then, like, <laughs> the you, you, you it
2: keeps panning, and you hear an alarm go off, and then he runs, and Lipshaver jives after him. Like, <laughs> jumps so they they jump behind like the register of the diner. <laughs> yes. Oh uh, man, Lipshaver
1: is really great in this. Uh, yeah is
2: this his, is this his first Wes Anderson?
1: I think so. Uh, I like the accent that he was doing because he was dipping into Kingpin. So there was
2: a bunch of times mm, where yeah. he sounded just like Kingpin, um, which I liked. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't even like this movie very much, but I just remembered he is a voice in Isle of Dogs.
1: Oh, that's right. You're right. You're right. He is one of the dogs. You're right. Like Cranston. Yeah, that's right. That's right. This is Cranston's first live action appearance, though. Yeah, it was great. He was great. He was great. Um, Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah,
2: man. Jeffrey Wright. So good. Yeah. Um, I I did have this moment um, early on watching, like, you know, because, you know, his first speech when he's, oh, my God. Oh, fuck. He's like chapter. His speech had chapters. Yes. And like different mics. He like would go to different (laughs) mics to tell the different parts. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. But it made me remember how fucking great he is in French Dispatch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man.
1: Oh, man. Tony uh, revelory's just like <laughs> running around getting the mic
2: set up. Yeah, it's like three lines. Oh, uh, man. That really speaks to like the, the strength of the company. And, you know, you hear stories about how like, oh, they go, you know, we, we talked about it on the podcast. We're like, oh, they go out and drink wine every night and they have parties and it's just like a big company. And. It speaks to, like, you know, Grand Budapest. That's going to be like a ten-year movie next year, and yeah, he has stayed with, and he's like, yeah, I'll do two lines. Like, that's just going to be my job in this one. I'm not going to not be in Wes's next movie. I'm not going to miss out on that experience mm-hmm. of so, like hanging out yeah. with everybody again.
1: Well, and it's and it's, I feel like with a guy like Wes Anderson, I feel like you know, there's a there's a certain. A certain thing with, with with actors where, you know, I, I it's not all the time that they want this. A lot of times they want like a very collaborative process where they're just as involved in the making of the film as the director right. is, you know. Mm-hmm. But then I think that there is sometimes where they respect a director's creativity so much that they're like, I am a puppet. You just yeah. tell me what to do. You give me the vibe and I will do it. And I will make you proud, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Absolutely, and, that's, yeah. and that's definitely like part of what's going on here with all of the actors in this. That's mm-hmm. how they're all acting, both like acting like in Asteroid City, but also as the actors in Asteroid City, they're all that vibe of just like, no, I want to do this exactly the way you want me to do it. And it's like, oh, yeah, that is probably what it's like for all of the actors who show up to do this. Because you're right. They know that, like, sometimes there's just going to be, like, two two lines, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you get to be in a Wes Anderson movie, and it's always good. And you get to be in the long list of the huge cast. and. Be right. like neck and neck with like Tom Hanks and everybody else. You know,
2: yeah. we haven't even mentioned Tilda Swinton in this. Who's so I was going to
1: this, yeah.
2: yeah. And it, you know, we, we we I can't remember when we talked about this, but like she keeps finding a new. It was Trainwreck, I think. Like a new person to be. Yeah, and like she was so dorky, but like <laughs> so mild mannered, and <laughs> which she tells Woodrow that she could be her. He, he could be her protege.
1: Yeah, where the bit where, uh, where, where where Dinah's like my my mother had a star uh, named after, her, and she's like, oh really? Do you remember what it was called? And she was, she was like, yeah, and like she says the name. She's like, she says, and she just repeats it, and then goes over to the book and starts looking. Yeah, so it was up. looking through it.
2: Yeah, because she wants to see. She wants to look at the star <laughs> that her mother's named after. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's so good. Oh, yeah. uh. Or like, uh, <laughs> was it when in, like the the console with the the things and. Uh, which I was like, oh, what are these, like, what, what are these, like, uh, he has, like, a really specific word for it. Like, what do these mean? And Tilden was like, oh, the bleeps and bloops. <laughs> right. I think it's a date. Yeah. Like, oh, is it a date? Yeah. Oh, man.
1: I Yeah, that's the thing, too, is, like, I just love. See, again, going back to, like, what I was talking about in terms of, like, the questions. Like, the Stargazers are at this, like, really interesting point in their lives where, they're on the cusp of adults realizing that they know as much, if not more than they do,
2: and, right, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: and that's like a big shift, like that's a big change when that happens when you start to like outgrow your parents and your mentors and stuff, mm-hmm. and um yeah, and it's just depicted really subtly here in a way
2: that like is really funny and um poignant, I don't know, it's great, yeah, I love the kid. The one kid who becomes, like, a crusading journalist that, like, leaks the alien stuff. And God, he's I like, love that. Yeah. Like, well, in the sixth grade, you wrote this thing about, like, I'm not telling you anything. Yeah. He just, I,
1: I love that he, like, again, he's, like, a questioning their, author, their authority. Right. And that's what, yeah, they're, that, yeah. that's what they're all kind of doing to mm-hmm. a certain extent, right? Like, Dinah's, like, questioning whether or not her, like, m- mom is, like, a good mom you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, Woodrow is like questioning, like his father's choice to like lie to his kids about the death of their mother. And, (laughs) and it's just like, Oh, is he not, is he not good at this? Like what, you know? Uh, and, and then yeah, you have him, uh, you, you have that kid, uh, uh, you know, uh, questioning authority. And then you have the kid that is like, you know, dare, like dare me to do this. He's like,
2: He's testing the limits. You yeah, know? He's, he's testing like...
1: the limits. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, they're all at that point um, where they're all, like, questioning things. And all of the adults are just, like, I don't know, man. Nah, <laughs> fuck it. It's all Doesn't a matter. cosmic combo. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they're just so, yeah, they're, they're, like, resigned to the helplessness yeah. of existence. And, like, and Tom Hanks even more so. Yeah. Of, like i mean the ending where where he's like you know he doesn't want to bury his his daughter's ashes in this random plot in this like mobile park but he's like nah whatever I'm, I'm i'm done fighting these witches <laughs> oh my god
1: the little girls being witches was my, that was the best they are like they were so ridiculously cute uh yeah. the whole movie it was uh, it was upsetting at times i was just like man this is impossible. <laughs> this yeah. isn't fair to anyone.
2: <laughs> oh, the fucking, the running joke of the, the car chase, the robbers being chased by the cops down the, yes. the street. Yeah. With no explanation. We'll never know what that was about,
1: but because mm-hmm. that's just how life is, right? It's just like, I don't know. Shit happens. And, and again, going back to the meta text, it's just like, I don't know why that's in my movie. Shit happens. You know, it's just, it felt right. And and so right. there it is. Yeah. And uh and that's oh man, just like that drawing that like direct line between life and art where it's like it's mm-hmm. not like a life imitates art thing. It's like it it's like, no, this is just one is a representation of the other. You yeah. Know?
2: yeah. Yeah. I um I was scrolling through Instagram the other day and you know, I follow letterboxd and you know, they Letterboxd was like at the red carpet or whatever at the premiere of um Asteroid City and they were asking different actors what their favorite Wes Anderson movies are. Mm. And uh Maya Hawk said that her favorite was Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. And she talks about this moment where um they hold up someone holds up the fr- I haven't seen the movie in a long time. Someone holds up the fruit and it and it's glowing and it's like shaped like a heart.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And she says, like, I don't know what it means. She's like, I don't know what that meant, but it spoke to something really deep and intrinsic about me, and it just made me feel really good. Uh. And that's like the power that Wes Anderson's movies have, where you don't really know what they mean or what a moment means or what it's saying, but it speaks to something really deep in you, and it feels right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, she gets yeah. it. Yeah, and that's what this whole movie's about. Um mm-hmm. It's uh, it's great. Uh, who else have we not mentioned? Um, yeah, t- t- Tilda Swinton as Doctor Hickenlooper. Looper.
2: Um, um right, yeah. <laughs> uh, Hong Chao uh, as Adrian Brody's wife. Yeah, yeah. Solid um, cameo. Edward Norton, solid doing kind of like a lisp, doing like a Tennessee yeah, Williams kind of lisp, right. Uh, I thought, I
1: thought almost for the whole thing, I thought Montana was Orlando Bloom and it was Rupert Friend, but right, I, yeah. Then, but then I looked up a picture of of the two of them, and I'm like, no, they look very similar. Oh, they, really?
2: Yeah, they do. I was like, wow. Um, oh, um, this is this is like a fun. So you know, Montana has like his group of cowboys, like musicians, and. Yeah. Um, I recognize one of the guys, and then I I, I say to the credits, uh, one of the cowboys is Sue George from Life Aquatic.
1: Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that's fun.
2: Um, oh man, I'm trying to think. Um, incredible oh, oh, cinematography Dillon. by wa- by Robert Yeoman, as always.
1: Oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah, we Matt mentioned Dillon. Matt yeah. Dillon, uh, who has like a really
2: great scene as the mechanic <laughs> yeah. in this. Um, when the muffler thing like falls out when everything's going to hell, it just starts sparking yeah. and shooting everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that whole scene is like really, really great. And I
1: would have never pegged Matt Dillon as like a Wes Anderson guy, but he fit right in. I was like, yeah, really surprised. Um, man, kind of the same yeah. with Tom Hanks, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's gonna, yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be, I'm always so interested to, to know, like, who he works with every
2: time. Sure. Like, who, who, who's, who's gonna carry
1: over into the next one, you know? Right, right. God, I just, I, I desperately want him to make another one with Owen Wilson. He hasn't since Darjeeling. (laughs) Well, he was in French Dispatch. Oh, that's right, that's right. For a second he was. With a little beret,
2: and he has, like, a tour. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and he fell down the we, hole, which was really yeah. <laughs> but it was. I. it is weird that he wasn't in this one because it's such a country western vibe. Well, he was probably shooting Loki. <laughs> right. God damn it. <laughs> oh, I can. I'm, sh- I'm making Loki.
1: Yeah. I mean, for all we know, he was going to play uh, Conrad Herb. you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing great well and seeing that that's another thing that where it's just like i don't know why that happened there was no explanation but like well it it did and it just it just felt must have just felt right at the time which was uh the the scene where uh uh conrad um gives uh uh jones um i guess i guess jones hall is the actor that jason schwartzman plays Mm -hmm. gives him the part and then they just like
2: they like kiss yeah, because he was like, he was like, cause he, was like uh, he does it. He, you know, he 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 brings, he presents the character, and then yeah. Edward Norton is like, "You're perfect." Yeah, and we real, and then he pulls down his pants, and they like they kiss, and it's like, oh, okay, that was also romantic, you know, right. in yeah. that moment. Yeah, 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 and you're just like, we never go
1: back no. to that, and no, no, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you're just like oh okay uh, oh, okay oh yeah
1: uh willem defoe oh yeah 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 he was great yeah he was good staltzberg keitel jeez yeah <laughs> what a name a lot of great uh, names in this one yeah augie steenbeck is a good name augie steenbeck is a solid West He's uh, a good name you don't hear that name too much no no augie. it needs to come back uh general griff gibson Oh god,
2: yeah. <laughs> Three G's. <laughs> it, it, it's such a uh, it's such like a throwaway moment, but like when they're afterward, they're having like their little hot dog like luncheon, and he's like, "Nope," says, "You know, they're teenagers. All those, all those, all those experiments belong to Uncle Sam." <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, uh... I'm. I more so. Than his other movies in a while. I'm really, really. I think I'm gonna have to try and see this again while it's in theaters.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's man. It's a. It's cra- Cause you're right. Like when it first starts, like the first like 30 minutes or so, you're just like, "Where's what? What? what where's all this going? <laughs> like, what? What is this? Like, what is the point of all this?" Um, and it just slowly reveals itself. In a way that, like, by the time you get to that little road runner doing his little dance, you're just like, "God damn,
2: <laughs> what a picture!" <laughs> yeah, you know like, why? Why am I? Why am I so moved? Yeah, like, why am, what am I feeling? You don't even know why you're feeling what you're feeling, but you're feeling it. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you do what we're doing, where you think about it and you talk about it some more, and you start to realize, oh, all of that was happening for a reason. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Man,
2: but I do. I truly believe that he,
1: like, he he wrote this not fully. Re- like, I'm sure that he like realized what his thesis was by the end of it. Certainly by the editing process at the very least, right? Sure, sure. But yeah. but I but I, I I do genuinely believe that he he wrote this not really knowing what he was doing. You know, because um, it feels that way. It feels kind of free spirited
2: in that way, and free free. Flowing in that way, yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Because he is such a master at this point that you know, you he just trusts himself and we trust him. And I guess going back to you know stuff like Grand Budapest, where it's like that's where the technique comes in. Where it's like he has grown so much in his bottle rocket that he will catch himself and it it will come together by the time he gets to like you know the edit. Yeah. Also, it was really
1: refreshing to have a Wes Anderson movie set in America again. I haven't <laughs> had that since. Haven't had that since Moonrise Kingdom. That was the last time. And it was American as fuck. Yeah, it was. It really was. Also, oh man, I don't, I don't know if this was on purpose or, or what, or, or again, if he was just like, I don't know, that's just the song I picture in my head, and he didn't remember that the connection that he was making. But mm-hmm. the song that starts playing the day after. Uh, the aliens come, Yeah. um, this, there's like a song just like kind of playing through the park. Cause there's like, there's like a jukebox or something. There's like something mm-hmm. there It's constantly playing music in that, in that park, um, that they're all staying in. And, uh, the song that's playing is, um, the country song that kills all the Martians in Mars attacks. Oh, right. Yeah. The one that makes all their heads explode. <laughs> that's true. That's funny. That's the song that that's the country song that's just like kind of playing in the background the day after the, the <laughs> alien shows up. Uh, and I was like, Man. am I the only one who who's noticing this? <laughs> did he? Has he seen Mars Attacks? Yeah. Did he do this on purpose? Um, God. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah. What a picture. Yeah yeah absolutely his uh production designer who he has had since Darjeeling limited, which is sort of the starting point of this sort of new aesthetic of his sure yeah um that uh that production designer whose whose name uh do I have it handy? I feel like I don't. I just watched a video of him that um Vanity Fair put out on youtube uh-huh. um but uh that guy uh he like talked about how he did he worked on he worked with uh Spielberg a few times he did uh Bridge of Spies and he did um Ready Player 1 and West Side Story Adam um, Stockhausen Adam yeah that that is correct um and uh uh yeah so he was like talking about like some of the uh, the, the directors that he worked with he did uh uh I think he did 12 Years a Slave that was also mm-hmm. him um and uh I was just thinking, like watching him talk. I was like, "Man, I would kill for you to uh, be the production designer on a Tim Burton movie." Oh, yeah, Burton,
2: that's good. Like for sure, I would
1: love to see him work with Tim Burton because, like, he needs to work with somebody who knows how to make
2: practical shit again.
1: Um, oh yeah, I mean, like, yeah.
2: not to not to get off on a on a, on a tangent, but like, um. I was watching, speaking of like, you know, YouTube videos or, you know, Vanity Fair videos, I was watching uh, Danny Elfman was doing like a a career retrospective. Oh, I've seen that pop up. I haven't watched it, but yeah. It's really good. It's like just Tim Burton. Oh, okay. And I think there's going to be another one where it's like his other stuff. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah. But he starts talking about the Beetlejuice score. Yeah. And he's like, I was just like middle finger, like, fuck everyone, punk rock. I'm going to do what I want. And And then he's like, but I could just could have, I could have written, you know, I was so sad when that movie ended. And now to come back to it, doing the score for Beetlejuice 2, it feels like the same. And I was like, keep getting fucking excited about Beetlejuice 2. (laughs) (laughs) Don't fucking do this to me. (laughs) I know. It's like, ah, but I want to, I want to believe.
1: Oh man. I I wonder if it's going to be called Beetlejuice 2 or if they're going to actually
2: like give it like a cool title. Yeah, like a Tim Burton kind of monster movie title, like Son of Beetlejuice or Bride of Beetlejuice, like you were talking about. Yeah. That's that's definitely what I want. I hope it's something like that. Yeah, because um, there's that designer. Hilarious quote. Wait, what did Keaton. you say the guy's name was?
1: Adam something?
2: Stockhausen? Stockhausen? Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, it's the uh, it's the Wednesday production designer that's working on um uh Beetlejuice. Yeah. On Beelters Beelters. Too. He's worked with Adam, though. He was uh, his art director on uh, Ready Player One. So, yeah,
2: I've uh, been part Spiel- of the team. Did you see that? Did you catch the special thanks to this? It was crazy. No. it was. It was uh, De Palma. Scorsese and Steven Spielberg were all given special thanks credits at the end of this. Oh, weird. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. But it's so, it's so great. I mean, like, you know, so again, so grateful that Scorsese and Spielberg are still with us. And, you know, both those gentlemen are in their 70s and 80s now. And, like, you really want to, you know, you, you, you I want to say my prayers at night that we get Wes Anderson for that long, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I would love you know we we talk often about like things we would love to see from Wes Anderson again you know sure um and i don't know that we'll ever get anything simple from him ever again <laughs> yeah um but i w- but you know but uh, again you know maybe ashre city is the end of an era and he's going to drift into a new era after this like who would know i would actually love that i think that would be really cool right um yeah. but uh I would love for him to make a, um, like, just like a rom com. Like, not, mm, yeah. Not like, not like, you know, like a grounded, like, New York rom com. Like, not like that, but like, you know, his style, you know? Yeah. Um, but a, a, uh, yeah, like a, a love story. Um, yeah, love story. Like, I would, I, you know, he played around with that. Um, he's played around with that in other movies, but I don't think he's ever really done a
2: full yeah. romance before. Like, I think all of his movies, almost all of his movies have a love story, whether it's right. Moonrise or this yeah, or Grand Budapest, you know? yeah, Yeah. But,
1: yeah. But I know he's a big Billy Wilder guy, and I would love to see... Him do like a, like his ode to like a Billy Wilder, like screwball yeah. comedy. Like The Apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or some like it hot, you know, like that kind of vibe. Oh my gosh. Yeah. With yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not like a literal remake, but yeah. Um, I would love that. I think that would be so, yeah. man, that would be great.
2: Um, she's so, you know, I mean, like when we were growing up in the 2000s, she was so lauded for her beauty and like, you know, she's like the sex symbol or whatever. And it's so cool that movies like this and Jojo Rabbit are mm-hmm. really, like, showcasing <laughs> There is that running joke. We're like, you know, she's actually a really gifted comedian. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. And I was like, you know what? She is. You're right. <laughs> she is. Um. No. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is... I I think an uh, an underrated actress in a lot of ways because I just don't think that, um, I don't think people give her the credit that she deserves for like any of her work, really.
2: Um, Yeah. She's kind of at that cold play Ed Sheeran thing where she's so big that you kind of like, well, she can't also be good. She's just. Well, yeah. Well, because she's so big, but she also can't sell a
1: movie. Because no right. no actor can right now, right? Sure, like sure, yeah, yeah. But like, but like, she can't. Like Scarlett Johansson. I mean, the star of a movie doesn't sell a movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but like, that's the thing. It's like, but if she's in a movie, you know, the movie's probably going to be good. With very few ex- examples of of the opposite of that. But like, mm-hmm. you know, largely speaking, if she's if she's choosing to be in the movie, it's probably good. Um, yeah, which is. That's special to have have, a, have an actor like that, you know? Oh, that for you sure. Can trust.
2: Right. Definitely, where it's like, oh, you see them in something, you're like, okay, well, there's got to be something in there because, like, they're in this. Um, right. Jake Gyllenhaal's like that for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: oh, man, Jake Gyllenhaal oh, wow.
1: would be such a... G- That's the movie. That, uh, oh, Jake Gyllenhaal there we go. and Scarlett Johansson in a screwball uh, Billy Wilder-style comedy directed by Wes Anderson. Um... Money, Uh yeah, that movie makes a billion
2: dollars. Like, <laughs> I would love to see him be that small, that yeah. like precise. Because you know, we know he can go big. You know, uh, lunch, lunch pail kids or whatever. But, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I would be fine if he wanted to do that, but like, you know, have a multi-layer approach to it, like. Where it's like, you know, multiple couples through history where he's like telling the the love stories of a family or something. Um, oh of that's each good. generation, yeah. you know, something like that. Like I would love wow. that. That would be amazing. Yeah. That's like a Wes Anderson y way of going into exactly what I want. But yeah, I would just love to see him make a a, a romance, like especially
2: screwball, but any kind
1: of romance, really.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm just trying to like think if there's any other stuff we didn't <laughs> talk about. I mean, yeah, I have a feeling. I mean, yeah, it, it just seems like a movie that's worth revisiting. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, great summer man. so far. Good, good,
1: good movies this year. Really, um, really good good movies this year. Uh, and I was I'm just so happy that like. Not only was this good, but it was like one of his best, you know, like, cause yeah. we both really like French Dispatch, but it was just sort of like, yeah, you cool. know, it was like, it, I, I, you know, it's, it's crazy to call that movie a middling Wes Anderson movie, but I don't think it really connected to us in any like deep, meaningful way. It was just like, no, that was really good,
2: you know? Yeah. Like, ah, Wes, um, you know, yeah. good old, good old Wes Anderson. Yeah.
1: So it was really nice. Seeing a Wes Anderson movie again that like connected on like such a maybe the
2: deepest level that one of his movies ever has ever connected <laughs> right. with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, man, I'm glad we don't have to rank, re rank these after a new one comes out. No, um, no, no, no. That's I not, can't even remember what my number one, one, one was. To do. <laughs> can you remember off the top of your head what your what your number one was when when we recorded? No, no, no. Can I.
1: Like there's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I assume it's Royal Bombs, but I can't. That's really what I was remember. gonna
2: say. Yeah. Um, I can't really remember, but like, I can't uh, even think about that movie for very long without getting verklempt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's true.
1: It's that that's that one's still my favorite. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, that's why I'm, I'm pretty sure it was my number one. Uh, but uh, I, I, if it wasn't, then I was in a weird mood that day. I don't sure, know. yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, Uh, God, what a great movie. And then, like, on top of everything else, it's like, you know, the Atomic Age and mid-century modern. Oh, yeah. Like, all the aesthetic stuff that I fucking love. And it was Wes Anderson doing it. So it was just like, dear God almighty.
2: Like, this is just. You were were swimming. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, Can't wait to see what Halloween costumes come out of this.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's something else I would love to see Wes Anderson do is like a Halloween, a movie set at Halloween. Yeah, that'd be cool. Like 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 a Wes Anderson aesthetic, like Halloween costumes.
2: Mm-hmm. Like a Frankenstein and a ghost, yeah. and that'd be great. Would
1: love that. Would love that. And as we've always said, um, I still would love for him to make Rushmore too. Yeah. I mean Especially after like, this. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see him, you know, go back to that character as an adult and, like, revisit and, you know, do whatever you want with him. Like, tell a completely different story, but I would just love to see where he's at now. Yeah, like, max
2: at age, like, 40, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Would love that. Yeah. Um, Get the Bill Murray's headstone, you know, and he's like, "Ah, he's dead. I can't believe it. (laughs) The bastard. The bastard. (laughs)
1: I was I was thinking about that while I was watching it. I thought exactly the same scene in my head while I was watching this movie. I was like, man, I do really wanted to do Rushmore too. And then I was like, yeah, you would just like uh, like there would definitely be a scene where you'd be staring at Bill Murray's grave and just be like, you son of a bitch! I can't believe he's dead. The son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I, I was like, that's how you That's how you pitch a Rushmore 2 to Wes Anderson. It's just, it's just like, can't believe he's dead, the son of a bitch. So,
2: Rushmore 2. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: <man. sighs> they can even bring Ryan Cox back. He's still kicking. He's still kicking. Golly. He could, yeah, he could still be <laughs> the guy. Oh, man. At Rushmore. God, I no, I want that. <laughs> I know. See? This is
2: what I mean. Also, why haven't they ever brought back uh, Brian Cox? Brian Cox needs to be in another Wes Anderson. That's crazy. That's, yeah, that's nuts that he hasn't come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man. (laughs) This is, you know, hope beyond hope. But, like, God, even hearing Gene Hackman's, like, voice in another Wes movie, you know, just, like, him leaving a voicemail or playing, like, a narrator or something would be magical.
1: Oh, man, it would. It really would. I think he is. Retired as
2: shit though. Yeah. Um <laughs> God. God. Uh, I mean, he yeah. retired after Welcome to Mooseport, and that was like twenty years ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he stayed that way. Um him him and Jack Nicholson are happily retired. Like, oh, nope, we're done. Yeah. They're like, stop taking photos of me. I'm not famous anymore.
2: Leave me alone. <laughs> Just gonna get older and grosser. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> I, I make I make no apologies. <laughs> it's your fault for taking photos, asshole. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Well. Um. So let's hope we we do this again in a couple of years. Yeah, I
1: hope so. I would hate for him to go through another, uh, like another yeah. patch where like we just lose him for five years. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That that is always like really tough
2: because uh, to get through that because he's such a like you know he's in such a hot streak where like his movies keep you know bringing in we keep coming to see them and that's a very yeah. rare thing where uh, uh i mean it's like not even nolan has that really i mean yeah. like we'll see how oppenheimer does but like yeah, yeah
1: yeah yeah i just uh yeah i hope he gets another one off the ground like really soon um but we've got the little Netflix special to, to For sure. tie us over, at least. So Maybe a whole a whole feature with Margot Robbie. Yeah, maybe. Sure. Um, I don't know that Margot Robbie needs more movies, but yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. She's I feel like she has enough movies. I don't know. She's Babby. Yeah. Yeah. She sure is. Man. Uh, I highly recommend the uh, Architectural Digest
2: uh, video. Oh, my God. Mind-blowing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> The pool, mind-blowing. I know. (laughs) I can't wait.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. I can't wait. Uh, Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Next week, Spider-Man.
2: Yeah, that's a fun one. I'm proud of how how all those turned out.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, Can't wait for you guys to hear them. We've already recorded all of them, and you guys get (laughs) to start hearing them starting next week. I'm um, really, really excited. Uh, Spider Man is uh, it's it's a beefy one too. Um, yeah. So I think I think the final uh, final final uh, number on that one is like three hours. I think sounds, over sounds three alright. hours. So yeah, enjoy, enjoy everyone. <laughs> we'll uh, yeah. we'll talk to you then. Bye bye. Bye
2: bye. Well, I'm married in too high society, be
1: careful not the place you taking me Cause if you slip, I'll slide,
0: and I may never be
1: a bride be di bam bam to San Fernando
0: Train.